As you start to reach more people, things start to feel more complex. There's more to do and more to keep track of, and it starts to actually take time away from creating content. I felt this struggle personally. The more creator science grew, the more it felt like I was dropping the ball. So I did something about it. I built a set of rock solid systems all in Notion to support the business as we grew and it worked like a charm. I've now taken my personal Notion setup and productized it. It's called Creator HQ and it's the complete operating system that you need for your creator business. I built Creator HQ to be an all-in-one workspace designed to save you more time, create more content and drive more revenue. By leveraging Creator HQ, we are publishing more than we ever have, and we're nearing $1 million in annual revenue because of it. It brings all of your data and processes into one place with custom-built dashboards to reduce friction in managing tasks, creating content, and collaborating with your team. I've seriously spent more than three years building this, and now you can have the same systems that I use right out of the box. In the lab, one of our members just posted, I have spent the last few weeks diving into Creator HQ, learning how it works, and making it my own. This is the first time in a while that I felt this organized and filled with hope that I can find a workflow that will work for me with my whole business. This is gold. I will definitely be giving a testimonial for this badass product. If you're new to Notion, don't worry. I've included a ton of specific tutorials to help you learn how to use Notion generally and Creator HQ specifically. I've never seen another Notion product integrate tutorials like we have here. More than 300 other creators are already using Creator HQ, and I am not exaggerating when I say I would be lost without this system. Creator HQ is what keeps the trains running over here. As a podcast listener, I'm giving you my best price. You can get 10% off using the promo code podcast at checkout. Just head to creatorhq.co to watch the video and learn more. That's creatorhq.co and use promo code podcast to save 10%. It was roughly half the time where I was like, why make the video? No one is going to watch it. It's going to suck. I don't feel like it. That's Nusair Yassin. Nusair started the channel NOS Daily with the mission of highlighting incredible people and places on the planet. He set a goal to post a video every day for 1,000 straight days. 1,000 straight days. And he did it amassing 12 million subscribers, 6 billion views, and starting two multi-million dollar companies along the way. He's living out every YouTuber's wildest dreams, right? People see the benefits of what you get because the benefits are very public, but the price is very private. I just lost my 60 relationship, you know, and in all honesty, that is the price I'm paying, you know, in which I committed more to my work than to my relationship. And that is not something to be proud of, but it is something that happened. And life is not just beautiful. So in this episode, you'll learn how Nusire manages outside distractions, why you need to listen to your inner voice, the sniper versus machine gun creator philosophy, and the actual cost of success. I spent the one minute this morning looking at your website and reviewing, remembering the whole story of your journey. And man, it seems like so much work. It doesn't leave a lot of time for scrolling Twitter, answering Instagram DMs, things like that. And you have a large following now. I'm sure even at the time you had a large following relative to most people listening to this show. So how did you manage your relationship to outside distractions that were not the work themselves? So it's very simple, right? The first thing I, I, I freed myself from material distractions. What are material distractions? Clothing, accessories. Shopping, all that stuff became uh, unimportant to me, right? So I wear the same thing. I have the same t-shirt. I have the same shoes. I have the same uh, uh, look. I don't ever need to go 
change my looks. So that helped a lot. I don't have any material objects in my life. I didn't have a home. I didn't have anything in my home, nothing that I own. Nothing's important to own. So that helped a lot. Second thing is I was single when I started. I have nobody that I can commit to, nobody that requires time from me, nobody requires my attention. And that really helped a lot. Third is I made sure I don't have any financial hurdles. So I made sure to save enough money so that I don't have to worry about, about money. So as you can tell, I'm freeing myself. Oh, and fourth, friends. I definitely did not stay in touch with friends. I basically just disappeared off the planet. And I said, I'm going on a trip around the world. I'll see you when I'm back. Now, now no friends, no girlfriend or boyfriend, no financial strain, no objects, no clothing, and no Twitter. For some parts, also, there was no drinking, no caffeine, no drugs, just me and a camera. Perfect. <laughs> so I love that you're talking about this. People don't talk about this. Like there, there are probably people out there who are looking at your life, your channel, the things that you have and saying, I want that. And they have an incomplete understanding of the trade-offs you made, yeah, the singular totally. focus you had to achieve that. I, I wish more people would think about that when they're comparing themselves to others, because we do it all the right. time, but we don't, we don't ask ourselves like, am I willing to take the same path? Um, yeah. We don't reverse engineer it, see what that path is. Totally. People see the benefits of what you get because the benefits are very public, but the price is very private. The price that you pay is very private. So the price I paid, I think is lower than the, than the benefit I got. So I'm good, but I still paid a price. You know, I don't have any close friends. I, not very close with family. I'm not very, I just lost my 60 relationship, you know, and in all honesty, that is the price I'm paying, you know, in which I committed more to my work than to my relationship. And that is not something to be proud of, but it is something that happened. And life is not just beautiful. So yeah, I, you know, I continuously pay the price, but you know, the benefits are astronomical, not, not financially, but the benefits are astronomical in terms of meaning, impact, joy, you know, not everybody, not everybody's willing to pay the price for some people hanging out with their friends is better than anything in the world. And it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has different, uh, judgment. The second point in the timeline after day one of your 1000 day journey is day 230 almost quit. And I want to talk about that moment a little bit, because I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. And at that point, you had created 230 videos, which is still almost twice as many videos as I have on my channel, having started YouTube a year ago. And so I'm halfway to almost quitting in, in, in your journey's terms. So I'd love to hear what that moment was like. You know, I put day 230 as a day I almost quit. But in reality, it was day 230, 229, 227, 222, 222, 190. It was roughly half the time where I was like, why make the video? No one is going to watch it. It's going to suck. I don't feel like it. And so I put that day as a reminder that there were days in which I wouldn't be here talking to you. And I just feel so goddamn lucky to be here talking to you and being worthy of a podcast uh, because there was a possibility of me just going back, finding a job and ditching this whole video thing. And I guess the reason why I didn't do that, the question is, why did you not quit? Not why, everybody feels quitting, but why did you not quit? And I think there's always that intuition. You know, there is the, there's the outer voice and there's the inner voice. The outer voice is the news, it's your friends, it's your family, it's society. That's the outer voice. And there's the inner voice that tells you, this is wrong, this is right. Keep going or stop. Invest in this relationship or don't. And a lot of us listen to the outer voice. Not many of us 
listen to the inner voice. So I've learned, I'm learning slowly for the last 10 years, I'm learning how to mute the outer voice and how to amplify the inner voice. Oftentimes, the inner voice is more right than wrong. And the outer, vi- outer voice is oftentimes more wrong than right, uh, from my experience. So that's, that's kind of like why I kept going. The next point in the timeline that kind of blew my mind, on day 1,200, so 200 days after you finish your 1,000-day challenge, you launched a book. You're saying, I worked really hard. I had 25 days to write this book. That seems like such a huge effort that a lot of people listening to this would be like, 25 days to write a book? I'm not sure I could write a book in, in yeah. 25 months, 25 years. So tell me more yeah. about the narrative in your head that allowed you to take that project on and complete it in that period of time. It's called Parkinson's Law. Not Parkinson's disease, Parkinson's Law, which is something that has really transformed the way I look at life, which basically says work expands to the time allowed for it. If you allow two years to write a book, most likely you will work on it for two years. It does not guarantee the quality to be 10 times better than if you worked on it for one month. And so I gave myself 25 days to write this book. That is my deadline. And so all my work must fit into this deadline. And I am very obsessive about hitting deadlines. So with the thousand day videos, I had 24 hours, uh, 24 hours to create a video, right? That's my deadline. So my work can only expand to 24 hours to make the video. So the same concept of 24 hours to make a video, now 25 days to write a book. Work expands to the time allowed for it. Do you do, you do um, like a day-by-day planning in that period of time to be like, okay, if that's 25 days, I have this goal of this many pages, I'm going to break down what each goal for each day is. How did you mark your progress through that period of time? With the book, I wasn't as like anal about marking progress and whatnot. It was just like you, you, you feel it when you're almost done or you're not. But with the videos, I've, I'm very anal about it, right? Which is, okay, by 11 a.m., my son, I must have a video idea. By 2 p.m., I must have a script. By 5 p.m., I must shoot it. By uh, you know, 11 p.m., I must have it edited. That's really the work that must not expand beyond the time allowed for it. And so it was very, very, like, it was very systemized. It was very, like, basically, all I'm trying to say is, what I did is nothing special. Yes, making videos is hard. Creating content is hard. And 10, 12 hours a day spent on making videos is hard. But actually, you know, Muslims pray five times a day for 50 years. My mom prays five times a day for 50 years. She has to wake up at 5 a.m. She has to pray, be clean five times a day. It's really, really impressive. Uh, the ability to consistently create output, which in this case is praying, uh, So what I'm trying to say is in the world today, we have billions of people that are highly committed to their craft. It's just, it's called religion. Basically, my work is a form of religion. I view it as a form of religion. And because I view it as important as religion to me, then I have no problem committing to it. And I think the reason why people don't commit is simply because they don't believe this thing is religious. They don't believe it. They don't believe this thing is important. Because if they truly believe this thing is important, the human body is capable of incredible things. I love drilling into this and, and thank you for humoring me because one of the most common things I hear from creators is like they lack consistency, they feel demotivated, like they let things expand, they're, they're looking yeah. for the muse and, and, and whatever. So it's, it's really helpful to actually talk to somebody who is so able to set deadlines, hit deadlines, stick to a schedule 
and see it as the work. And, and I like talking about this. So other people start to expand their thinking on it and see that right. they are also capable of doing this type of thing. Right. I mean, it's a very simple question. It's a very simple way to understand this better, which is, Jay, if this podcast does not get uploaded, will somebody die? No. Okay. So that's why sometimes it becomes very difficult to like assign value to what you're doing because you don't believe it's life and death. And maybe it's irrational from my side, but for every video I was making, I assigned a life and death value in which if this video does not get created, somebody will die, whether it's me or whether it's the viewer or whatever, because this video could help them so much, it will change their life. Yes, it's irrational. Yes, it's very self-absorbed and self-centered. But assigning importance to my work has helped me achieve it. How do you think about the goal line? Because I feel like a lot of people in your position and my position, we have this, this tendency to move the goalposts just as soon as we get to the goalposts. Always. What's your relationship to the goalposts? I feel like I'm never going to touch the fucking goalpost. <laughs> and it, it really bothers me because it's, it's, this, it's, it's, this, it's the reason I'm so distressed. Uh, but it is, uh, have you seen the Arnold documentary? No, 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 no. I haven't seen that one. No, okay. So it's, it's a new one. It's an Arnold documentary, right? But basically, like Arnold lived his life in three categories as a bodybuilder. And then he became an actor. Then he became a politician. So he has three chapters in his life. And I thought that was really interesting because I'm also trying to build three to four or five chapters in my life. So every time you close a chapter, there's a new chapter that comes out. And that chapter becomes as unreachable as ever because you start from zero. So yes, I've hit my goalpost of a thousand video challenge. But then immediately the day after, my new goalpost was a thousand person company. And then I'm like, fuck, I'm at zero. I'm back to zero. So I'm humbled. I'm embarrassed. I'm making mistakes. As an entrepreneur, I still make mistakes as an entrepreneur. So you have a thousand person thing. So I, you, you hit the goal and then shit, there's another goalpost. So now I'm in the middle of my second act. My first act as a creator is done. I spent six years on it. I'm done with it. My second act now is an entrepreneur. And here I feel still as a beginner. And that, that's yeah. basically the source of my distress. Sometimes I ask myself, like I get in these moods where things in the business feel easy and then I get uncomfortable because I've just trained myself to believe that everything should be hard if it's worth doing. Why is this not hard anymore? <laughs> so I go and yeah. create some new hard thing. And there's another part yeah. of me that says, well, why don't I just enjoy the fruits of my labor for a little bit? It's tough. It's a tough balance. Very tough balance. Yeah. There's something about humans. We're attracted to challenges. We're attracted to uh, hardships and, uh, Maybe that's a good thing at the end of the day. You know what's hard? Making a car electric. I'm glad we're doing it. After a quick break, Nusair and I talk about his technology company and what his days actually look like. It may surprise you, so stick around. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Last year, my wife and I started talking about her joining the business full time. This is a huge decision, not just for the business, but for our marriage. My wife, being the very smart and thoughtful woman that she is, suggested that we proactively sign up for therapy as a couple to help us communicate better before we started working together. It really helped us have better language to describe how we're feeling and listen to one another, which generally lowers the intensity of any conversation. 
Now, I had never been in therapy before, but here's something that I didn't expect. It didn't just help our dialogue, but it helped my inner monologue too. The way I understand my own experience has changed based on the tools that I got from therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's convenient, it fits your schedule, and you can be in the comfort of your own home. Just fill out a short questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. They even make it easy to switch therapists if it doesn't feel like a fit. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com creator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash creator. This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement. For the past decade, Podcast Movement has organized the world's largest gathering of podcasters, featuring thousands of attendees, hundreds of breakout sessions, panels, and workshops, plus the largest trade show in podcasting. Podcast Movement helps podcasters of all experience levels create, grow, and profit from their show. It's suitable for beginners, but you'll also have the opportunity to meet some of the biggest names in the industry. I've been to several Podcast Movement events, and not only is the programming incredible, but the culture and vibe are incredible too. It attracts thoughtful, empathetic, and collaborative people, which makes sense when you think about the medium of podcasting. Podcast Movement hosts two events per year. The first just wrapped up, but their flagship conference is happening August 19th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Attendees have the freedom to choose their own adventure across several different stages throughout the four-day event, not to mention dozens of amazing networking events, parties, and the expo hall floor. Tracks include podcast creation, video and live streaming, industry professional, plus several stages of curated programming from some of the top companies in podcasting. It's truly a unique event, and if you are a podcaster, I cannot recommend it enough. Right now, tickets are available at super duper early bird pricing. And as a Creator Science listener, you can save $50 on top of that by visiting podcastmovement.com slash science. That's podcastmovement.com slash science. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, please enjoy the rest of my conversation with Nusair Yassin of Nas Daily. Okay, so we're moving into the next chapter of the Nas universe. First, it started with Nas Academy. Today, you have Nas IO, and you said that you are uh, the CEO of the technology company as well. So you are focusing on running a technology company, running the academy, running the YouTube channel. How does how does your day look like now split across those three massive efforts all in their own right? It looks bad. It looks really bad. A lot of times people, the outer voice tells me that you should be only CEO of one company. The inner voice tells me it's possible to do it with two. So I'm doing it with two. I'm very lucky to have strong people with me. I'm very lucky to have chief operating officers that... Uh, push the envelope and help me achieve much more than I could possibly achieve as myself. I think when people think of a CEO and a company, they think the CEO is doing everything in the company. Actually, the CEO does nothing. The CEO just like, all the, the only thing that I should do is always think about how to push the envelope forward. 
and ask people to do the, the work and find the money and find the people. That's it. Three, three responsibilities. I don't need to code. I don't need to edit. I don't need to travel. I don't need to even book my flights. Somebody does it for me. So I do save a lot of time by not having to do this stuff. And I just need to become a better decision maker. And that's equally hard. I mean, you still show up on the channel. You're still talent as well. Like you're (laughs) not, you're not, you're not removed from that. And that's, that's not a small thing, right? Because I'm sure you have to prep for that. You have to get in the mind space for it. Maybe you're naturally just good at getting in front of the camera and going, but I imagine like even being the talent in the creator side of the business takes something. Ah, yeah. So that's the thing that other CEOs don't have, which is that that's the extra thing is being the on the screen talent and having to go to Greenland and make that video because that consumes a lot of time. Like yesterday, I had a shoot. Today, I had a shoot. Tomorrow, I have two shoots. I have four brand deal shoots this week, which is a bit over over the top. I'm trying to reduce that. I've kind of come to the conclusion that, you know what? I don't need an extra follower. I don't want an extra follower. Like, I think we're done. I think we're good with 65 million. That's enough. I don't want another selfie. I don't want another viral video. Like, that's not my... So, you know, it's like with creators, there's three things you can index on. There's there's three things you can focus on. And you need to decide what they are. Attention, impact, money. So for, for the last seven years, and I'm being very frank, right? The first two years, I focused a lot on attention and impact. The last year... I focus a lot on attention. So attention and impact, no focus on money. What does that mean? Like, I don't need ads, no brand deal, nothing, and I don't care, right? I just want to make videos that change the world. So I did that for uh, four or five years. Then the last year, I said, I'm going to focus on attention a bit more. So I'm going to make one-minute videos. I'm going to make a lot of them about anything. And of course, we think everything is impactful, but still, let's just increase the, qu- the, the quantity. So I focused a lot on attention. We got a lot of views, but then I realized, wait a minute, there's no money and there's not as much impact. This is actually kind of useless. So now I don't care about attention. Impact, I am impacted out. Like I am, I want to take a one-year break from impact and just be like, let me just be an entrepreneur and just build a technology business that has good investors and that's profitable. So forget that. So now I'm really focused on money because you need to find a way to pay 100 people every month. And so now my focus really for the end of the year is money. And so, but, but those change and people need to ask themselves, you need to go from one to another, nothing is forever. And then by the end of the year, I'll probably be done with money. I'll go back to attention or impact. That's that, that should be a calculation in everybody's brain every single month. I love the concept of seasons and a season doesn't have to be three months or four months. A season is like, Hey, right now focus needs to change. And you can choose when to end that season when you want, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really freeing to think in terms of going in a new season, things are changing. Yeah, exactly. I listened to your interview on the Mind Valley podcast and you were, you were using this analogy to compare how some people are snipers and some people have a machine gun. Uh, and you said that you are a machine gun person. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So snipers are the people who, uh, disappear for three hour, three years and come up with a Netflix documentary and make it to number one. And then they go disappear for another five years. That's a sniper. You just became successful from one chance, one try. But a machine gun is somebody who makes a thousand videos in a thousand days and 700 of them are failures and 300 of them are mediocre success. That's the definition of my life. Creating a lot of small things and hoping that something sticks because I'm not smart enough 
to point and shoot. I need to just continuously shoot to try to get lucky. And I think uh, people need to decide what kind of personality they are, uh, whether they're snipers or whether they are machine guns. Do you ever aspire to be a sniper? It depends on the kind of battle you're going for. If you're going, you know, if, 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 if you have 500 enemies coming at you at once, you don't want to be a sniper because it's not effective. You want to be a machine gun. So I, I actually enjoy being a machine gun uh, because I have 500 interests. I have 500 challenges. I have 500 problems I want to fix. And I just, I cannot, uh, I think I'm not lucky enough to have one big problem in my life. I have many small problems. So I do enjoy building small things for many problems. Uh, you know that famous saying, right? Would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred <laughs> duck-sized horses? <laughs> and, you know, what's your answer, Jay? Oh, man. Uh I think I think I would probably try to fight the the horse sized duck, but um, I don't know that I'm an effective sniper. I think that I think a lot of people delude themselves into thinking they're an effective sniper and try to play a sniping game, which actually slows them down from getting the outcome that they want because they they aren't there yet. Mm, it's yeah. it's hard to come out of the gates as a sniper. I feel seems like you need specialized training. Totally, yeah, totally, totally. I think we're born machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people look at people in your position and think that it's still just you and you're shooting the videos and you're editing the videos and you're pocketing $11 million and uh, everything is just gravy. And I love shedding light on the fact that there's a big team here. There's a big plan here. There's a big goal here. There are also struggles here. There are big yeah. trade-offs here. These are all interesting nooks and crannies of the creator world that we just don't talk about enough. Totally. Totally. And, and to get here, it was not a straight line. And if somebody is listening to this and they have doubts in their brain, if they have fears in their brain, if they think they're not a good manager, if they think they're not a good creator, if they think they're like not making enough money, trust me, I felt that yesterday and today and tomorrow and the last seven years and the last 70 years. It is the most normal thing to fail. And I failed so many times building this company and I'm still not sure this company is going to succeed. So you're not alone in those thoughts. Those thoughts are in every creator's brain and entrepreneur's brain. 